And everyone, welcome back to the Nissan Nerd Podcast. We are continuing our two-part interview with Pepe Pombo and the Pombo Racing Family. With me, as always, is Mr. Miles Hall. How you doing, buddy? I'm amazing. <laughs> good, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear. I know uh, just all the things happening in life. I'm glad that you're feeling good. And I, and I don't know if that was sarcasm or not, but it's, maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the world's falling apart right now. We're getting ready for wave two of Corona. Apparently, you know, we're getting into part two of this. I'm really excited. And uh, I think this is a great episode. You know, if you haven't listened to the first episode, go back and listen to it. When me and Mike had talked about this interview a long time ago, we thought this would be a great, uh, a great piece to actually feature for Father's Day. So we did record this sometime back and we kind of held it specifically for this week. So I think it worked out great, man. I'm really excited to uh, release part two of this. You know, in the first one, we did so much talking about how Pepe got started in life, you know, where his origins were and uh, and how his uh, passion grew out of that and how he started racing, his family started racing. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? I think it was so great, honestly. His, his uh, memory is so clear about it and his wife's memory is so clear about it. So together, <laughs> <laughs> they're such a great team, you know. Uh, they were able to break it down, and, and, and we see the ups and downs. And specifically, we saw how the relationship with Nissan grew, and the the teammates that he had, the Fitzgeralds and, and Newman, and, and all those guys, and just tons and tons of stories that I, I just really enjoyed to, to hear. Yeah, he's got so many stories, uh, and you know, I've always felt when I first met him was he was just the most humble guy. And at first, it was kind of like you were kind of pulling to get a story out of him. But once, and once he was okay, kind of talking about himself, cause he's not a braggy kind of guy, which is kind of a rare thing. I think he's just one of those rare human beings. Um, and when you finally get to meet somebody like that, uh, that has the, the skill set that he has, and he's just a genuinely, uh, I'm going to say it, a beautiful person all around. I mean, you can't yes. really go wrong with a person like that that you're interviewing. He's got great kids that are they're sharing his passion. I mean, hey, man, that's a Father's Day dream right there as sure. far as an interview. And you're right, Miles, how you said with his boys, the connection that Matt and Mark have with their dad, it's so apparent just – not only is the racing and the racing, but as a father, just uh, how much they adore their dad. And, and you're right. This is just the perfect time to release this episode. And again, we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, continue on. We don't want to delay this any longer. Coming at you right now. Part two of the Pepe Pombo and the Pombo family uh, interview. So what uh, what was next for the for you guys after 90? I mean, uh, kind of just uh, decided to just bottle it or, or were you focusing more on the kids? Because I know you guys started in go-karts and I mean, uh, you know, I can talk about your histories all night too with uh, Matt and Mark. Yeah. So I know Matt, you started in with go-karts and legends and you became a, a legend inside of legend as it were. <laughs> and then uh, a little bit later on, I think uh, Mark took up quarter midgets. Is that right? And, you know, we were, I was in high school at the time, you know, Mark was, you know, in elementary school and, and start middle school. And so, you know, we got into quarter midgets and things like that. So we tinkered a bit, but you, Matthew will be the first one to tell you, Matthew was around a lot of racing 
in the eighties, but he didn't get to drive much. Dad was so busy. Nah. Yeah, there was no driving. The cool there wasn't part any was driving. In the early nineties there when things slowed down, like Matthew and I actually got to go start driving a little bit. So so it's it actually, you know, a lot of a lot of kids get burnt out on sports, you know, uh, not just racing because they they get overdone. It was kind of the opposite for us. We were around racing, but there was never enough time for us to drive like we wanted to. So we always just had this burning desire to do more. And by the time we were getting a little older, there was a little more time, but we didn't have the funding to do it because of, of what had happened in the 90s with my dad. So we just had this burning desire inside of us to sort of you know, follow it, do whatever it took to follow in our dad's footsteps, you know, and that's kind of what, that's how yeah, we are where we are now. And we're kind of the opposite, yeah. you know, and I do the same with my kids, you know, it, you know, dad never got us the top of the line stuff and never got us the newest, but we actually, we, I think we, we got our first quarter midget we got when in like 1984 or 85, maybe 87. And it was a 1978 quarter midget, 10 years old and, Dad was like, if you can run up front with this, you're better than them. And so we never had the latest, greatest stuff. And we maybe raced five to six times a year. And I think there was something to be said for that because we, you know, we raced with a lot of people that got burnt out and don't race yeah. anymore. And we always had, as Mark said, we always wanted to do it more. And it's one of the things that you, know, you, try, to, you try to do with your kids is you always want to leave the ball field or you always want to leave the go-kart track or you always want to leave with them wanting to do it again. Let's do one more time, one more time. We'll say, no, we'll come back. That's the last memory they have is they're wanting to come back and do more. That's kind of what we had with racing. And then now, you know, we've gotten to a point where, you know, we can do it and, and, you know, it's still, it's still our family thing. I mean, we do it because dad and mom are there. I'm there. My kids come when they can in the summer. Um, you know, Mark's there, you know, so it's still, still, still centered around family for us. But they don't listen to me anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm updated. Everything is data, data, data now. So Matt and Mark, you guys obviously uh, raced, you know, from at a very early age. And then the two of you, when when the two of you came up on my radar as a starting, you know, carrying on the, the I guess, the lineage of racing, I saw an interview on the two of you when you were racing in Kia. Um, and it was like, a, a, maybe it was the first time or, or maybe you'd already been doing it where you guys were racing in the same series together and people were just asking you, okay, what's it going to be like? Are you going to butt heads with each other? And, uh, you know, you, you kept it very, uh, subdued, but I was always curious, you know, what, how's that going to unfold on the, uh, on the track? No, we're well, like any other, I, let me just, bro, I'm going to start it. You finish yeah. it. We're like, any other, <laughs> we're like any other brothers. We're very competitive especially the older we've gotten, but also keep in mind that I'm six years younger than him, five and a half. So growing up, there wasn't a lot of competition between him and I, cause he could, he was just so much older than me. I dominated, like a, I dominated is what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if I did win, if I did win at anything like in a go-kart, it was only because I was lighter because I was so much lighter than him. But, <laughs> right. He had but, a weight advantage. Yeah. So, so, so we, we, we grew up that way, but, as we got as we got older, like the one thing that we were always competitive in was always go racing. Even when I was little, I was because I had a weight advantage. Probably I could always keep up with Dad and Matthew. And then as I got older, we always if we're in a go kart, we're gonna beat and bang each other and probably end up spinning each other out. We still will to this day. But if we're in a real race that matters, we don't. You know, there's nothing better than having your brother in the car as the, in the teammate next to you as a teammate. You know, there's just it just isn't. There's nothing better. Because I know, I know what he's capable of. He knows what I'm capable of. And to have each other as wingmen on the track, there's no, there's no better teammate. It really isn't. 
<laughs> Just right. imagine. I'm going to ask yeah. you about styles here. All right. So who, who mimics who and who's completely different from who as far as driving styles? Well, so we're, we actually, the funny part about it is if you overlay times and things, Mark and I are within a tenth of each other. All right. But I'm the guy that comes out and in the first three laps, I'm going to do my fastest time. And it's just, okay. I go out and I'm just, if you make me mad, I'll go faster. And Mark's more of goes out, works his way up. But by the end of the session, you know, he lays down that time where I go out, go fast. I end up going slower and slower because I'm trying to go faster. And so that, that we just, we get to that point much differently. We're, we're just different. I think I've gotten more like probably Mark as I've gotten older, I would say. And I think Mark's probably gotten more like me as he's gotten older where he can, you know, so we've kind of met in the middle. I made a lot of mistakes by being too aggressive early and a little more of a, a temper. That's me in a car. I'm, I'm very vocal on the radio. Um, people make me mad Mark and them know that I, I'm going to be very fast if somebody makes me mad for a few laps. And then um, Mark's a little more even keeled and doesn't talk much on the radio. So that's how we're, we're completely different in that. But, but you look at the times and we're, we're dead on each other in any car we, we've ever driven. So The best okay. was when they ran Miatas. They looked like the same car attached to each other. Yeah, the Miatas are really where we, you know, it, we had some years like dad did in the, in the spec Miatas. We would decide at the beginning, I mean, there was one year I won, you know, six out of six national races to qualify for the runoffs in spec Miata. And then the next year yeah. we said, all right, Mark, you're going to do it. And I wingman for him and he won seven out of seven the next year to be the division champ. And so two years back to back, I, I don't think, I think maybe one race we lost in two years in spec Miata on the national scene in the Southeast. And so. But we, we kind of had a, a, you know, we've always been that way when we're racing seriously is, you know, hey, whoever gets out front, the other, we're not trying to pass each other. Like, look, you drive off the track, I'm going to go by you, but I'm not going to try to pass you. I'm going to make sure the people behind us. In a lot of ways, there were a lot of races where Mark was in, in front and I'd go too wide, you know, in turn six and seven and Mark could get away and people couldn't draft. So you do smart things to, to help your, the person you're protecting. And so that's, and, and honestly, to like Mark said, to have that be your brother, I mean, there's really, I never worry what his intentions are in a car that's not mine. You know, I, I always know what his intentions are, and he always knows what mine are. And but if we're, so, but if we're in a go-kart track for fun, oh yeah, you don't want to be around us then. Yeah. Ping pong table, go-kart track, you know, cornhole, you know, you name it and it gets ugly. You name it and it gets ugly. What? Fourth of July barbecue gets pretty yeah. competitive. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the only the only thing I give him is Mario Kart because he's played way oh. more of that than and, bro, I don't even I don't even turn on what? Mario Kart. Wait, with you him. haven't beat me at ping pong in ten years, bro. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. There we go. When's the competition again? Yeah. When's the last time? Uh, now, Pepe, which one do you think of them have your style? Either one or none of them. Neither one I, of them. I don't think none of them do. Because they they're more data drivers, and I was zero the fans. I don't I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I, think, I think I think Matthew and I would think of ourselves as seat of the pants, but you know neither one of us would ever ever try to you know our to us dad is like dad is our idol. He's our legend. Like like it's will never be as impactful as as my my dad is. We still go to racetracks, and people aren't asking for us; they're asking where my dad is. 
Like, how many years has it been since he's even raced? You know, like, it's just the impact he had on people that were there that watched him drive. It's just, it's still, it's crazy to us. Like, Matthew and I talk about it all the time. And not, not just that, like, dad, as you heard, the number of cars that Nissan had through our, our garage at our house, which was by de facto dad's shop. Not, not only did he just, I mean, he, he helped a lot of people at the track. Like, he would walk the track with anyone. He was a driving instructor. I mean, a lot of people came came through dad on in their careers. And dad, I don't think of, of everyone in racing, you know, even from his era, a lot of the people that, you know, were very, very fast and very, very good had a lot of enemies from the way they acted. And I don't I don't know that other than the maybe the the chief steward at the runoffs, um, <laughs> I don't think there was anyone that disliked dad. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, I think all of his competitors respected him. He was very helpful. People to this day still talk about how wonderful dad is. And you just don't hear that a lot at the track. And that's something that Mark and I have always, I think that's one of the reasons we've had some longevity in the paddocks is we, we try to be that same way of at least be nice. If somebody hits you, you know, nine out of 10 times, it means they didn't mean to do it. And so, you know, you never know, you might be their teammate one day. I will say this too, dad, uh, you no, know, we. I've had discussions with Dad and Matthew about this. I don't know. I mean, by no means the Pombos aren't the Petties or the Andrettis or anything like that. But you'd be tough. You'd 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 be hard pressed to find a, a family that has been in American road racing at the grassroots level as long as the Pombos have been and been <laughs> sort of never left. I mean, think about it. From '76 yeah. all the way to 2020, like we we we've pretty much been around the entire time. <laughs> Good point. So there's been a couple of years where we go where, where dad wasn't driving and Matthew wasn't old enough. And then maybe a year where I was deployed in Iraq and I wasn't, or we weren't, we didn't race a year or two, but I mean, we've been pretty much around since 76 to 2020, which is pretty crazy. And we're not, we're talking at grass level, at grassroots level, like amateur and professional racing, you know? So it's pretty cool to have that kind of longevity. You guys, I'm sure have an appreciation of how hard that is to stay relevant for that long. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the only years we didn't race were 95 to 2000, really. And then I mean, we were doing some legends racing, you know, yeah. in, in 98, 99. But I think we started Spec Miata around 2001. I went to my driver's school in dad's IMSA 240SX um, oh, in, man. In, 95, <laughs> in 95. That was actually before it was, it was before they changed the dip into 10A. So I, I did my driver's school when they had the dip, which honestly... I'll never forget that. That was so cool getting to drive it on the layout that dad, you know, dad. With no brakes. With no brakes. Yeah, that was when, yeah. <laughs> almost, almost put it into the bridge um, when dad, we were bleeding the brakes and dad was monitoring the fluid, but he was looking at the clutch fluid instead of the brake fluid. So, oh, <laughs> first time, first, first time, you know, not my very first time, but one of the first times up into the dip through gravity cavity. And, you know, I came up there with no brakes and, you know, had all these old tires because dad didn't want to give me new tires because he wanted me to be fast with old tires, you know. So, of course, always old stuff so that if you're fast, you're going to be good when you put tires. <laughs> I, have, I have two things that I want you to know. My boys, they um, one of the rules that we had was that there would be uh, no racing until serious racing until after after they got their education. And uh, both boys race legends with Reed Sorensen and David, what was his Reagan. name? David, David Reagan and Joey Logano. 
they all raced they, with us. They raced legends with them. And uh, my boys went on to get their education. And That's then they got to do their racing. Point. Yeah. And the other <laughs> boys... They, the other boys, their parents sold everything and moved to Charlotte so they could race NASCAR. Oh, man. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's a big goal, though, as a mother, too, because my, my mom was very similar. I had my dreams, and she's like, well, how's college still looking for you? Or how's uh, high school? You're still going to graduate, right? <laughs> no, their dad was was maybe even was as big on it as I was, that they had to oh, get yeah. their education. Because he, he never did that. And he always wished he had. And the other thing I wanted you to know was Matthew decided to, to start doing um, Miatas in 2001 and had Pepe and him built a Miata. And Mark was went to Iraq in 2004. And okay. no, so right. it was in 2003 that Matthew started. And um, so Mark hadn't seen the car. Because they did it, he did it the year Matthew Mark was gone, and when he was racing, Peppy would have Mark on his phone and on the on the headphones, and Mark could hear the races. And the first person Matthew would talk to when he got out of the car was his brother from Iraq. Oh man! I mean, so all right, so so let let me tell you how that happened for me. So. Yeah. I was stationed in I was stationed at the Baghdad International yeah. Airport quickly, and uh, what would happen is I could yeah. I had I was allowed to make one phone call a week, and the the time difference between um, where I was in Baghdad and the U.S. was it was almost the middle of the night when my brother would be on track most Sundays. Okay, so mm -hmm. Sunday or Saturday would be the middle of the night of either Sunday night or or or, um, or, or Saturday night. And what I would do is I would try to plan. I would get up because the nobody would be on the phone in the middle of the night. So I could go and make the call. And my dad would literally be on the radio with my brother uh, during the race. And he would hold the phone up next to his ear. And I would just be listening to my dad talk to my brother during the race. And when the race would get over, Matthew inevitably like won every single one of his first year spec me out of races at the regional level. And he'd get out of the car and he would talk to me as soon as he got out. It was pretty cool. That was my living vicariously through him for that year, trying to race when I couldn't drive anything. And mom is crying the whole time. Oh. <laughs> and the best part, the best part is dad and I built the, built this uh, 1990 spec Miata with all the bells and whistles. Like it, that thing was like hand massaged to go fast. And we, wow. we found out Mark was coming home. So we were like, Hey, let's get him a race car. So we buy this three-year-old spec Miata. <laughs> that, <laughs> That um, we, we kind of cleaned up for him basically, and when he got back, we went, we went up, we went up, to, <laughs> we, we went up to VIR. We went up to VIR for his first race, and you know I think I qualified first or second, and Mark no, was like, "It's the biggest, it's the biggest spec Miata race in yeah. history." And it was my first SCCA race. Yeah, there were like eighty, 80 something cars. cars. There were eighty something cars, and uh, I think Mark qualified like thirtieth, so it wasn't bad. And um, he he was just. So driving so hard because he was like, "Why am I not going as fast? Why am I <laughs> like because the car just isn't it's not ready yet." <laughs> so, well, I didn't like the car was so slow in a straight line. Matthew's like on the pole and I'm thirtieth, and I, I go out behind him in practice, and he pulls me like ten car lengths down the straightaway, and I'm like, "This is I'm like, thanks guys for this car. This is so." Anyways, so there was it was a learning year for me for sure to be patient. 
I have to tell this story because this is funny. That year, you guys have probably heard of the the arc. Have you heard of the American Road Racing Champions that they have here in yeah. Atlanta every year? Every year we get further and further away from like the golden years of like the seventies. The race is less important around the country, but in the seventies it was like the race. Everybody wanted to go to the arc. You know, if if you weren't going to the national before the national championship, right? was around everybody was racing at the arc is one of the biggest races of the year so it still has kind of a legacy but in like the early 2000s spec miata hadn't wasn't a national class yet and it was the way they had, you could run at the runoffs and it was one of the it was really the, the runoffs for the for spec miata because it was it was the one of the mm-hmm. biggest scca classes but it wasn't they didn't ha- it wasn't a national class so you can imagine at the arc every year with the contingencies and fees that they pay out there were people from all over the country that showed up and Keep in mind that year was the year I came back from Iraq. I hadn't ran in SCCA. My brother had kind of established himself as somebody uh, that was a contender in Spec Miata already. And here I am, like his little brother that shows up, who's been running like front of the middle of the pack because I have a car that's that, that doesn't compete for like the last few races of the of the, of the season. And uh-huh. my brother was my brother had something for school at the time that he couldn't go to. He could not race the arc, and he was devastated. So I called him and I was like, bro. I don't want to race your car because I know it's your car and you put you and dad put a lot of time and money into it. But can I please take your engine out and put it in my car, please? <laughs> and, uh, so, so I, we pulled his motor out for the arc and I was literally, I wasn't even on a, I hadn't, I don't even, bro, I hadn't even finished in the top 10 anywhere. I don't think. And we put the, we put the, his car, we put his motor in my car. And I won the arc. There were like 80 cars, like all the guys wow. from all over the country here. And I won the arc that year. So it was, wow. it was just crazy. So that kind of catapulted me because then people were like, holy cow, we got people to, that wanted started offering to us to build us engines, even though it was, it was just regional racing that was about to go national racing. And by the way, it was the last year that they had the arc, 05. And then 06, it went national. So I won the last, the last year of the arc before it went national, you know? And wow. that what that did is that catapulted Matthew because he'd been so successful in us. We were like, hey, look, there were engine builders for Spec Miata that were offering to build us engines. And then that, it's, it's just slowly built into then going into Grand Am, Grand Am Racing from TDI Cup that I did a couple of years. And then mm-hmm. Matthew has been really successful in the IMSA stuff that he's done. So we just keep kind of we keep kind of riding each other's tails and we're just going to do it as long as possible, man. You know, I uh, I wanted to talk about one particular situation that happened years ago, and it was um, I guess Mark. It was uh, back in the 2012 with the Grand Am series. You you had a pretty bad runoff, and I was actually watching that on TV on Speed Channel at the time when you had gone off, and it was it was a pretty horrific accident. Um, I think it. You know, the thing about it was everybody on. Speed Channel was talking about it because, you know, the the history and everything that you had, um, uh, your family, uh, you know, uh, they were talking about everything that occurred um, at that time and and all the history with your brother in racing, of course, your father. And I mean, you were, from what I remember, you were out almost 10 months, but that the, the most important thing that came from that story was after the fact. I mean, your first race back uh, was at your home track. And you're, it seemed like your whole family was behind you for that because the interviews that were, were pretty heartwarming, man, um, quite honestly. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I was watching your, your comeback at that and the interviews, you were very subdued 
before you had gone out and then you went out and I'm like, okay, you know, there's always these stories in road racing that, you know, people get into accidents and, you know, they, they don't quite have the vigor that, that they do when they, when they get back into it. But it wasn't, it was, that could not be have said to you. Cause I mean, you went out and you literally just were the most aggressive driver right out of the gate. And you were the talk <laughs> of the entire race. And I remember watching the interviews with your dad and, and Matt, and they had some, uh, some interviews on you. I mean, I mean, if the family name ever had any additional grit poured onto it, it was that I was really, really impressed um, by that, uh, that event that I actually ha- was privy to witness at that time. For, that was a tough time for our family, for sure. Especially for L- me. Luckily, Mark doesn't remember it. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I had, a, oh, I had man. a traumatic brain injury, so it wasn't, I was, I was in the hospital. Uh, I was even, I, I had outpatient therapy that I had to do for, for three months. I was in the hospital for, for three months. It was just, it was, it was, it was, it was not good. I was at the Shepherd Center in their traumatic brain injury section. So it was a, the lot, they told me I would never race again. It was, it was one of those things. And I, my, my family was, was supportive, but also very concerned. Uh, but I just, I never wavered that I wanted to, I wanted to do whatever it took to drive again. So yeah, I mean, that was honestly his motivation. I mean, the whole thing was to get back racing. Like he wanted to get back racing. And so, you know, we went a lot of places to get opinions and, you know, ultimately, you know, everything checked out and they were like, look, racing, you know, it's hard to get a doctor to sign off to let you go racing after you've had a a TBI. But, you know, luckily he checked off all the stuff and it it was kind of a decision he wanted to make. It's kind of like that. You know, we tell everyone racing for us is like, it's, it's your best friend, you know? And so it kind of, what happened to Mark is like your best friend stole your girlfriend and all right, you're really mad for a little while, but you know, all right, that girl goes away and you're like, oh yeah, we're still best friends. Come on back. You know? And so that's really, you know, racing dealt us a a pretty tough blow. And to be honest with you, our wives was the hardest part over that. Um, you You know, our wives calling us just absolute idiots for wanting to go back racing again. And why would you ever want to do that? And, and, you know, I mean, honestly, it's just, you know, I talked to my wife and I'm like, you know, you you don't even know who I am without racing. And she's like, yeah, and it's just such a big part of who we are. They, they understand that. And, you know, it's a big part of who our family is and, and our kids and, you know, everything that comes through anything with wheels and a motor on it, we've always been all about, you know, I think that's, that's part of it. But yeah, that was a pretty scary time. That was when we were teammates and it was a morning warm up before the race and so um i remember they said something happens i said it was mark in a bad wreck and he wasn't on the radio and i remember i, I sprinted all the way down to you know try to get on between at, at the exit of thunder ba- valley i was trying to run onto the track and they wouldn't let me people were very they wouldn't give any information it was i mean it was just it was a it was a pretty scary time and then to hear they call the chopper and nobody to talk to you and it just it, and it was, he was uh, unconscious for like yeah. 30 minutes yeah so we we saw him we actually they got to take a we went to the outside at the helicopter pad and mom and dad were there and we tried not to let you know them but they wanted to be there um, mom and dad wanted to be there and so then they they put they brought him out of the ambulance and he was intubated and put him on the chopper and flew him and so then we just hauled tail to milwaukee and drove and he was already up in the icu had a cat scan and and, um, you know, they said everything looked okay and that he was responsive and already talking. So it took us an hour and so to get down there, but, you know, we ended up staying there for about a week and then getting home. So it, uh, 
his his first memory is in the air ambulance getting him back to Atlanta. <laughs> the rest of us were there for you know, you know, kind of. I said he got as unlucky as the accident was. He's the one that doesn't remember it because it was pretty scary for a while there. And I'm still friends with his nurse that took him in in Milwaukee. Oh. Of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I do have one funny story about this, Matthew, and you can uh, go on about it. Matthew took him up to Pittsburgh when the doctor here in Atlanta had told him he would he could never race again and all this. And Matthew had worked with this doctor in Pittsburgh that is a specialist in concussions and he did uh frank as well he had been working with frank so he took mark up mark had to pass his test before he could drive all the women said you have to do that before you can get in the car and when he was doing the testing he wasn't quite there and matthew told him he doesn't have to get Daryl Frankiti's scores. He's not going to go three, 200 miles an hour. Yeah, things come a lot faster at those guys. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, well, luckily we're we're past all that stuff, so now we're we're all just. I'm still trying to. People. I'm still trying to prove that my best days aren't behind me. I had some pretty good years from 2008 to 2012 before that happened. So I'm still I'm on this hunt to prove that I'm I'm just as good as I was before all that. You guys are still killing it. I mean, you're you're all over, all over with Pumble Racing, and um, yeah. you know, I wish you guys the best. I mean, you know, if you look at it as a whole, I mean, I mean, your family is just uh, is just nothing but grit. I mean, I, I have to commend you guys. I mean, me and Mike were talking about this, you know, as we started to put all the information together for this interview. I mean, it's just hit after hit with these really impressive. Uh, moments. I mean, you know, with, yeah. yeah, I mean, records and, and uh, we, we've just been extremely impressed once we start going through the timelines and the history and the lineage. And then you guys have so much stories. And then, uh, you know, Pepe has won a ridiculous amount of races and, um, you know, battling all the things that he's did, including cancer and, and beating that. I mean, Mark, you know, uh, uh, eight years in the service from what I, uh, from yes. what I can remember. Um, Thank you for your by service, the way. by the way. Yes. <laughs> And Matt, you've had your own successes in racings too. I mean, I I can't tell you how impressed I am uh, with the Pomo family and and taking the time to speak with us about everything. It on, doesn't uh, go unnoticed. For sure. <laughs> uh, well, no, we appreciate it. One of the uh, you know there's there's a there's a stat that's little known that Matthew and I like. Even though Road Atlanta is our home track, the new house that the Pombos built is Watkins Glen. So if you ever hear of us going to Watkins Glen, we're we're on a crazy tear there. How many races have we won in a row there, bro, between you and I combined? Four. Yeah. Four. four <laughs> <in Florida. laughs> we, we, and no, and then you also, you, you won, and then I won SRO. We've had six, bro. I won yeah. both SRO races. We, we've yeah. ran, we've won the last six touring car races we ran at, at Watkins Glen, dating back to 2016. It's crazy. So wow. we're going to, we're going to try to keep that going this year. Continue with the family affair. Please, please do. Yep. And do you have your eye on the, do you have your eye on many of the children? You're starting to prep them, get them all ready for the next, uh, next generation. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, you know, the kids are, we try to approach it like, um, dad did with us. I mean, I don't, we're not forcing them anything. We got, got two go-karts that, you know, we'll go do a few times a year. You know, they're into some of their sports like we were. And so it just doesn't leave you a ton of time to push them, but, 
you know, my, my kids and just like myself and Mark, if we had to, you know, race every Friday and Saturday and go karts and we were touring all over the place, my kids, they, they wouldn't do that now. But, you know, I, my kids are very proud to be Pombos and I think they, they appreciate the heritage of it. And so I think they go out in the go karts and they're always in the top three of the month, you know, when they lay times down. So I think they have it. It's just we don't really force them. And then, you know, Mark has an 18 month old named Matthew that he, he's coming up filling yeah. my shoes probably when I'm retiring. He's going to be getting into it. So <laughs> I'm always, there's going to be a Matthew out. There's going to be a Matthew Pombo out there crushing tracks for a while. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make uh, yeah, and if if for any reason my I'm, my nephews are interested are interested in it, they're all they want to go to the track more than we take them for sure. But uh, I'm gonna make sure that you know I know my son might be the last chance, so he may not get an option. He may just have to go to the racetrack with me. I'll, I'll <laughs> force him. How's Pepe as a grandfather? How's he uh, with the kids? Man, there's there's I, I tell everyone it's I mean it's been fun being my mom and dad's kid, but it's more fun watching them be grandparents. You know, they spoil our kids rotten and our kids love them. They, they call my dad D dad and my mom is Mamani. And so they, that's their name. So D dad and Mamani are always around. And, you know, I remember a story when they were coming, when my oldest was born and they've always told, and they've been dead on true to this. They said on the way to the way to the hospital, when my wife and I were having Eli, our oldest, you know, they, they made a promise to each other. They would never say no if they got a chance to take care of, care of him and um you know they they really don't they they love to have them any chance they can and you know my kids love them a ton because they're they're a lot of fun and as my kids get older you know they start they want to do their bigger kid things and so but they always enjoy spending time with their grandparents so that's always good we just had a big easter egg hunt on yeah uh, i was gonna say tell tell them about what mom did for he did it we for them and then my my wife and i went over because we my parents are quarantined they're in their 70s so they're they're yeah, not they're, allowed to interact with people. They won't let us out. Yeah, they've been shackled. <laughs> you know, we've, come, we've come too far to let a virus take them out. So we're bringing them everything. And so they did a they they did an Easter egg hunt in their front yard. And, you know, the grandkids came over and they sat on the front porch socially distanced. And the kids got to run around looking for Easter eggs and stuff. So, you know, they do stuff like that for, for the boys. And they did say it was the hardest Easter egg hunt they've ever been to that Mamani and he dad certainly hide them way harder than the Easter bunny because it took him two hours to find 18 eggs. <laughs> well, I didn't want him. I didn't want him to leave real quick. That's good. That's good. Good point. Good, good strategy. But, but did you have to camouflage the eggs? I mean, <laughs> no, they were fine Well, good fellas. Well, well, um, you know, we we won't keep you any longer. If you, it's been a couple of hours. I'm sure that's way over yeah. your time. But, oh, yeah. but right, hey, right, look, right. you know. We're Z, we're Z people at heart. We, we love Z's. We have Z's. We got tons of them. So we, uh, we're looking forward to, to getting some of dad's old, old Z's is the two, three hundreds Mark said. And then we really want his IMSA two two forty SX back too. So I'm hopeful that over the next several years, you'll start seeing those cars back on the track in their original Pombo racing livery, hopefully. <laughs> definitely keep in mind on the on the 300 if you hear anything anybody that would sort of help us be a resource to get that car done we would we really want to well, bring that car back to first, life first we have to convince the guy to let me have it he said no he doesn't want well, me to have it why 
Okay, I'll talk we'll, to you. We'll about handle that. that. <laughs> you got a touch to it. He's going to we'll, we'll have to. We'll have to send some people over there to handle some business. Yeah. Give them an offer yeah. they can't refuse. Yeah, he's. Yeah. <laughs> That's been another episode of Nissan Nerd Podcast. Uh, I want to thank the Popo family thank for you so uh, much. coming this out. Has been great. <laughs> we'll go ahead and uh, talk to you guys soon. All right. We'll, thank we'll you. Edit that out later. Thank <laughs> you. Very and, much. Um, thank you. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Part two in the bag. Um, I hope all of you enjoyed it. We can't say enough about the Pomo family taking the time to um, grace us with their their amazing stories and and honoring us by uh, stopping by and, and doing these interviews and sharing some uh, amazing stories that we probably would have never even heard about it if we hadn't had the opportunity to do this interview. For those of you who would like to know more about the Pombo Racing family and uh, what they're up to, they do have a website which you can visit, uh, pomboracing.com, and it'll let you know uh, about them, more information, uh, tons of pictures, also uh, an email, so they you can contact them or one of them on their team. And and uh, we are also going to be uh, attempting to uh, put up maybe a Kickstarter or a fund page. Uh, for this, uh, for the original uh, historic Z31, if we can ever get that into the hands of the Pombo family, attempting right now uh, behind closed doors, we're trying to orchestrate that for them. If we have any success, or if the Pombo family has any success obtaining some of those historic Z31s, we will definitely let you guys know and let you know how you can help bring back a piece of Nissan history. And with that, Miles, just want to say happy Father's Day to you and to everybody listening. I hope you had a beautiful day with your family. Well, I'm sure I will. Uh, you know, I I was just talking about this uh, on my Facebook page, and, it, and my wife asked me the other day, she goes, what do you want for Father's Day? I was like, to be left alone in the garage <laughs> for 12 hours with like two stacks of pizzas, a good beer. I think that's not a lot to ask. Um, it's crazy, but she goes, no, we got to go elaborate and we're going to go out to a nice fancy dinner. I was like, I really don't want that. I was like, I kind of want you guys just away. Could I be in the garage for just, I don't know, 12, 14 hours. I miss those days, man. I don't know. That's me being a nerd. That's me being a car mechanic to the, to the bone. But for all those other fathers out there, I hope you get 12 hours in your garage for father's day or whatever it is you find enjoyment in. And um, thanks again for listening to the podcast. Continue and help us support and grow Nissan Nerd Podcast by signing up, subscribing, and passing the word. Again, if you got a great story in your... in your past, or if you know somebody that we should probably reach out to, or you are an interesting person that you want to be on the show, <laughs> uh, we're going to start taking those folks on, and we want to we want to make you part of the Nissan Nerd family. And on that, Miles, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. But ladies and gentlemen, we have many more for you. Until then, uh, Miles, I'll say to you, cheers. Come cheers by. To you. Come by to you too, buddy. All right, man. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast, hosted by Miles Hall and Mike DeLashman. New episodes are released every other Monday and can be found on the podcast network of your choice. If you like what you hear, write us a review, give us five stars, and it would help us out a lot. You can find content added regularly to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, so be sure to like and follow. And lastly, you can contact us at info at NissanNerd.com. 
Let us share events happening in your area and provide us suggestions for future content on the Nissan Nerd Podcast.